Welcome to the I Am Kind of Normal podcast. This is Zach. This is our very first episode, and I'm uh, super excited to have our guest today, CJ Duxbury. He was a youth mentor to me when I was younger uh, at the church that I grew up at. And uh, today he is the Director of Development at the Boys and Girls Club of Placer County um, in Roseville. So, uh, CJ, hey, welcome so on the podcast. Me, man. I appreciate it. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Have you ever uh, ever done I any podcast before? This is my first, so I'm definitely excited. Well, I am. Uh, I'm right there with you. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get into it a little bit about um, first, I guess, about your uh, about your job, director of development at Boys and Girls Club of Placer County. Um, you know, when I think of sometimes when I think of people, you can think of like what jobs people would be good at, and when I think of you and just my my time knowing you. I could not think of a job that would be a better fit for you. So, uh, how do you uh, how do you enjoy that job, and what are the uh, what yeah, are the man, upsides absolutely. of it? So, um, I'm the director of development. So, I what I do is I pretty much specialize in uh, funding, different funding streams, and different funding sources. So, whether it's through um, organizations like different foundations, uh, through United Way, through grants. Um, you know, any sort of revenue streams that we can access. Uh, that's kind of my job. And what, what I do is just try to bring in funding to the club. Uh, for, for the club, uh, the Boys and Girls Club, we have three locations here in Placer County. And we serve on average about 125 to 150 kids a day. Uh, the, main, the main thing that we do or the thing that sets us apart from a lot of organizations is, is we don't turn anyone away due to a lack of finances. So uh, the need for you know, us to reach out to different organizations and, you know, receive funding from different places is detrimental to the club and the success of the club, because the majority of the kids uh, who do come are scholarship in, which means they don't pay a penny for any of the services that we offer. So they get bussed in, we uh, help them with power hour where they can uh, get some homework tutoring, they get a snack, and then they basically go through a programming. So programming could vary from, you know, different, uh, like STEM uh, games, uh, from cooking demonstrations to gym activities to hikes to movies, you know, anything that you could think of. So, you know, the, the need for funding, the need for resources to be able to offer that to, you know, the children that we serve is, is definitely, a, a, there's definitely a huge need for that. Well, that's very, very cool. Um, I know that growing up, I, uh, I participated in uh, youth basketball. Um, in the town that we both grew up in, Merced, uh, Merced uh, County. And I, I got in, in contact with some really, really cool coaches, some good people, and we, used, we utilized the Boys and Girls Club of Merced quite often. And I just know what an important part of a community that, that is and the function that it serves. Um, and I know that you, when you were younger, you the way that we met was through our church yes christian life center right. of merced and uh and both of our families were involved and we were involved in um you were in youth i was in uh, children's ministry at the time and um and you're a few years older than me and i i remember quite distinctly that you had sort of taken me under your wing a little bit and it was uh it was a really really cool experience and um i just felt like you have, I just feel like you have that way of connecting with kids um, that, and I'm sure that carries on today, but just not just kids, but just people younger than you in a way that um, I certainly appreciated. And um, so, yeah, I just uh, want to thank you for your work in that regard. Absolutely, man. There's always, you know, one thing, one thing with you, Zach, is there was always something special about you. You know, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I couldn't say, man, he does x y and z like so like so awesome like, you know what i mean there was just something yeah. that was different there was something that i was just like drawn to and i was like man i want to anything i can do to help further what you're doing what your interests are you know anything i can do to support you and uplift you was definitely something that i wanted to do just because you know I, I i believed in you I, and i still do i just I, I wanted to be there to support as much as i can and whatever that you know however that looked uh, is what I wanted to do is just really try to uplift as much as possible. Well, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate the kind words. 
And um, I think that growing up, I definitely, um, I think you got the different part right, for sure, for sure. And uh, there was just a different, I had a very different upbringing, very, very different circumstances. So I don't think I could have helped being different. And that could have gone, you know, any, any sort of ways. But there were, um, the way that I look at it is, is that when you have kids like that, who um, come from different circumstances, you know, it could go either way and just not even just cir- different circumstances, but any circumstances kids can go in many different directions. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I'm sure you see it every day. And the question is, who's going to be standing in the gaps for exactly. them? Who's going to be um, showing them and modeling for them what behavior looks like in say the next stage of their lives or further down the road? Because I think it's really important to have those uh, role models that show you what you know what it's like to be a responsible person at the a responsible human being at the next stage of life we all have that I mean I have that now you know with with uh, friends who are older than me you know I look to them as examples of this is what it looks like moving into this next stage of life and uh, and so yeah definitely um, definitely had a had a different upbringing and uh, that gave me a chance to really develop different characteristics about myself. So I'm sure that's what you, what you saw. And I really appreciate you encouraging me on that path um, because uh, I'm very grateful for everybody who's uh, been in, been in my life. Absolutely, man. I think, you know, for me, one thing, and you said something that's, I think is uh, absolutely perfectly said is there, there's the need for someone to kind of stand in the gap. Um, when, when my, when my dad died, when I was in high school um, at first, there wasn't, a person to help stand in that gap for me you know it was I needed someone to help me you know learn how to shave and do all the you know how do you throw a ball how do you do these different you know these different things Um, there wasn't like a person that stepped in right away to do that and I felt like I was kind of searching for that and of course as you know you can go like you said different directions you can go down uh, a good path you can go down a bad path um, thankfully, I feel like I went down the right path and was able to find some awesome uh, mentors and and different, um, you know, men in my life who, you know, kind of helped me, who scolded me when I didn't do something right, who praised me when I did uh, when I did something wrong, who praised me when I did something right. And, you know, we're really there to just encourage me and and help me through, you know, tough times. So I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, there's the need for someone to stand in the gap. And that's exactly what, you know, I, I've always felt that I wanted to do is kind of it kind of help with that kind of be a some sort of mentor a big brother big you know something like that that I could just be there for for different people to kind of again just kind of mentor along the way absolutely and uh and you brought up to you brought up about your dad and I'm very I've been very close with David with David your younger Mm -hmm. brother for for years and it's it's really been it's really been great to get to know not just you, but your whole family. And, um, and, and one thing that I have been aware of is, is your, um, you have a very unique story and it's, it's something that I feel, um, and I'm sure you've shared it in many different ways, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um, would you like to share a little bit about if you're comfortable with it, would you like to share a little bit about, um, sort of the unique challenges that your family faced um, leading up to and following your father's death. Cause I know that he died at such a critical point in, in your life and in David's life. And um, I'm just so proud of what, what you have, have done. And uh, also Danica as well. I mean, you guys have just done amazing. And uh, so I wondered if you uh, wanted to share a little bit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, My dad was a pretty severe alcoholic um, and it was, at, at, I feel like when you were going through it, it was kind of one of those things that was just like, this is normal. You know, I, I shared the story. I remember coming back from a San Francisco Giants game and hearing or, or seeing my dad drink a six pack of beer on the way home with me in the car at the age of probably around 10. Um, I, I mean, I can vividly remember it. I remember stopping at a gas station, him grabbing a, a pack of beer and drinking it on the way home. You know, like that was that was just something that I feel like was kind of normal for him. Um, he just drank as soon as he got home. When he when he would walk in the door, I felt like he was one person. Uh, he would hide his alcohol in the garage. So he'd walk into the garage 
I would always say like from the time he walked into the front door to the time he got to the garage door, he was the best dad uh, you can ask for. And as soon as he came in from the garage, uh, he had been drinking pretty heavily, uh, hard alcohol, and then would come inside and just kind of, you know, flat out be drunk, um, hearing him yell at my mom and, you know, yell at me, uh, see, you know, having him us get into physical altercations uh, with me trying to defend my mom. Uh, it, it definitely was, there was definitely some, some challenges. You know, I started acting out. I started doing uh, things that I obviously shouldn't have been doing. I just didn't feel that home was a stable place for me. So I, you know, again, looked elsewhere for affirmation. Um, in 2001, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, my dad and my mom were getting into a fight and my dad was saying some awful things to my mom. And I stepped in to kind of uh, take some of the brunt away from my mom. Uh, we were in the garage and I can remember my dad just screaming at me and me yelling back at him. Uh, I was leaving to go uh, to a wedding reception with a friend and um, I got ready. And as I was leaving, my dad kind of looked over and he said, son. And I looked back at him and he just kind of looked at me, glazed over in his eyes. And he said, I hate you. And I looked back at him without even a hesitation. And I said, dad, I hate you too. And we kind of stared at each other for probably two to three seconds. And I closed the door. And that was actually the last time uh, that I ever those are the last words I ever said to my dad. And the last time I saw my dad, uh, about mm. an hour or so later, I got a phone call that said, uh, I need to get home immediately. And I said, there's no chance I'm coming home right now. You know, I'm out with some friends. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And it was, no, you need to come home now. Something happened. And I said, well, is it my dad? And they said, yes, it is your dad. And I said, kind of just, I don't know what it was, something jokingly, um, I just said, you know, what did he do? Did he hurt himself? And it was quiet for a second. And it was my next door neighbor. And he said, yeah, but he's okay. He's fine. Everything's okay. You just need to get home. So I went home thinking, well, what did this idiot do? You know, what, what, what did he do? Did he hurt himself somehow? Um, I got home to police and fire and ambulance and the entire neighborhood and some of my mom's friends there. And I remember getting out of the car and I just yelled, what happened? what happened? And my mom's crying. You know, there's other people who are crying and I'm like, what happened? And my next door neighbor who, you know, was just there, he walked over and he just kind of grabbed me and bear hugged me. And he said, your dad's dead. And I, what, like what happened? And he said, he, he shot himself. Uh, that was definitely one of the obviously biggest turning points of my life. Uh, at that moment to have, you know, your dad, you know, while you're a junior in high school, uh, commit suicide in your house while my mom and my sister and my brother were, you know, basically in the next room over. Uh, definitely something that shaped our, our family and, you know, affected us. And, you know, to be honest, sometimes still affects us. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what, what we went through and the challenges of trying to, you know, recoup from that and to you know, wh where do you go after that? You know, like, wh what do you do? Where do you, where do you turn to? What's, what's the next, what's the next move? Uh, so definitely some unique challenges for us and our family. And again, thankful. I'm so thankful to have, you know, again, different people in my life who help to, you know, kind of bridge that gap. Um, after I, you know, began searching at first, of course, I thought I could do this by myself. I don't need anybody, never needed anybody. And I got very, cocky and I got a, an attitude and a chip on my shoulder thinking well I don't need anybody I'll do it by myself but of course quickly realized I, I couldn't do it by myself so those I mean that's mm. the short version I, there's a lot more that goes into it but that's that's the short version of it we you know suffered a great tragedy and it's shaped our life ever since well yeah I had, I super appreciate you sharing CJ and just there's so much to unpack there. There really is. And I'm sure, like you said, it's, it's something that still, you know, stuff like that can still, you know, affect you, as you mentioned, like to the day, it's one of those things that I think, you know, when we have those sort of experiences in our formative years and I never had, you know, I never had anything, you know, as intense as that really. And I, I think very few people really have, you know, there are, there are, there are a lot of difficult things, but that's certainly, certainly something that, um, is very traumatic could be very traumatic and i think that um 
just unpacking all of that, you know, it takes time. It takes time and it takes a lot of work. And um, I'm so happy that you and your family have been doing that work for years. And I've, I've seen it. I've, I've, you know, I've seen what you, what you guys have contributed to the community, um, just your focus. And it's really, uh, it really makes me feel good that there are people who can recover from events like that and put, put their best foot forward. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that I feel like, again, you can either, you know, let it conquer you or you conquer it. And by conquer, I don't mean you overcome it and you come out the other side perfectly, perfectly <laughs> fine. Cause there's definitely, there's definitely yeah. moments still as a 33 and dear God, I'm getting old next week. I'll be 34. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, <it's> so <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's definitely still nights that, I start thinking about it and I kind of get in my feelings and I start thinking, well, what if, and it's a very, it's a very yeah. dangerous game and dangerous road to travel down. Cause what if that didn't happen? You know, what, what if things would have been differently? What if this happened? What if that, and you start getting into this kind of fairy tale land of what ifs and uh, it's, it's a very dangerous game to play. And then you start kind of rehashing things and going through it. So I think it's a mentality of, you know, you're either going to, you know, the, the cream rises to the top and you, you got to figure out, if, are you going to, are you going to conquer that? Or are you going to let it conquer yourself? So it's, it's definitely been, you know, a road. I feel like we're all still traveling down the road. There's times uh, the anniversary of his death is August 25th. So as that comes up, I just feel like, I feel like our family starts talking more and we start, we have a group text going on and, you know, different things start, start coming up just because, you know, feelings, I feel like start getting unearthed and uncovered. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, it was a crazy time in our life, but I, uh, I'm glad that we were able to overcome it um, as well as we have and, you know, been able to remain a, a healthy functioning family. Well, and you're uh I know your your mom just had has to be you know made of iron like she is she is so strong and the fact that she was you know able to be there for you kids and um through through all of that and just knowing her she's just such such a beautiful friendly person and um I'm I'm blessed to know her and just uh, just your whole family is is amazing now when I think the most striking part of your story, and I'm sure you hear this a lot when you, when you tell, tell it, is the point when your father looks over at you and says what he says. I, I don't even want to repeat those words. Um, and then your response, which, I mean, was completely fitting for what was going on, you know, but the fact that those were the last words, I'm sure that so much work has been done on your end to know that just because those were the last words said does not have to color, you know, your future or the way that you see yourself or the way that you even see your dad. I mean, I'm sure that there's been a lot of inner work on compassion and forgiveness on your end. Um, how, how has that process been of, of unpacking that bitterness? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question because I feel like for you know a few years i mean i'd like to say you know everything was great and it was perfect and now we're we're all good you know but it was years after of just like it, there's a difference between saying like i forgive him for doing that and actually forgiving him for doing that um i think there's it's very easy and it's cute to just say yeah i forgive him and that's very surface level i feel because you're there's no emotion behind it but like you said once you start unpacking the the different sides of it you know and i don't want to paint the picture that everything was always miserable and it was always horrible and it was always you know he did take me to my first giants game so i still when I go to Giants games and, you know, you turn the corner and you see the green field, I still feel that like I, when I was a kid, you know, like I still feel and I thank my dad for taking me to Giants games and and doing that kind of stuff. But there was quite a bit of unpacking to do on that and not to be bitter and not to, again, have the attitude of why well, I didn't need him anyway. I'm going to do this by myself. Um, I think there's. I think there's something special with saying, I can't do it by myself. You know, I, I, I need somebody, I need something I need, I, I need to let this go. Um, I, I think there's, it's, 
it's a process and it's a process that, you know, I feel like we continually walk. And, you know, I, I just talked to my brother just a few weeks ago about this and just what he's kind of uncovering. I mean, it's see 2001, it's been 18 years that this has happened. And wow. I feel like, again, it, I, I, I feel like I can relive it just like it was yesterday, but my brother being uh, significantly younger than I am, um, how that impacted him you know, being five, six years old, what that impact was on his life and, and the different challenges and struggles that he dealt with. Uh, it's, it's just been, it's been very interesting. And I think it's been good for us to be able to talk and kind of walk through, this is how I felt. And he's telling me, this is how I felt. And it's, it's, it's just been, it's been a journey for sure. And I, I, by no means do I feel it's over, uh, but it's definitely been a journey for sure. Well, I think um, I think anything that formative, it's it's, and that's why I use I use that term formative because as as difficult as it is to accept and understand, I know this from my own life. The most screwed up, difficult things that I've ever been through, and the stuff that I didn't know, you know, if I could cope with, that stuff was hugely formative for me. And again, you know, that stuff can go either way. It's not about saying, oh, this thing's good, this thing's bad, you know, and trying to judge the situation. But um, I think what, one thing that I sense from the way that you handled and responded to, to the circumstances and the hand you were dealt is that you looked at it as like, this is what happened. This is what it is. And how are we going to work with this? And I mean, I, I look at it as like an artist and you know, how are you going, what are you going to do with the raw materials? And you have some raw materials that are very, you had some raw materials that were extremely raw. It was, it was a very, um, you know, you're, you're basically at that point, you're basically like, like, it's like painting with blood. You know, this is what you've got. This is your material, you know, your flesh and blood. And you're just making, you know, the best, the best out of this situation, trying to make, you know, something that is artful, but I definitely, I definitely hear you when you say you can't do it alone, you know, and when, when things like that hit, I know for myself, it's hard for me to admit that, you know, that I need, that I need something external because that's a very vulnerable place to be. And it feels like, it feels like, I don't know if you feel this way. It feels like the, the, those emotional and mental health um, triggers and those issues should be dealt with inside and, inside alone which is which is true but the inside and the outside have a relationship and sometimes i know for a fact sometimes i would not have been able to get by and get to where i am today had the external events not been in a certain way had people not been in my life when they needed to be there and standing in the gap no that's 100 percent true did i lose you uh, I think there for a second. Oh, uh, oh, go ahead. I just for me, uh, exactly what you said. Um, it, there's definitely a need, and I feel like you know, as a as a guy, as a man, whatever you want to say, you were taught to well, man up, take it. You know, you don't need anything. You don't, you know, do it. You know, you're you got to be strong. You have to put on this face. And sometimes I feel like it's so easy to to kind of mask it in a way, and and say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. But like you said, it's a very vulnerable time to be able to, to call somebody and say, I need to talk to you. Like, this is how I feel. This is how I'm feeling. And cause I feel like sometimes we think that we're going to be judged. And, you know, if you come across weak or if you come across vulnerable, you feel like maybe not as much or not as worthy when in reality, I mean, I, for me personally, I don't know how you feel, but once I get done talking to somebody about it, like when I when you know, even when I'm now at low a low point in my life, and I call somebody, I'm like, hey, can we just can I talk to you for a minute? Like, I just want to let you know how I feel. There's like that quick moment of, do I do this or do I not do this? And when I start when I start opening up, it feels so much better. You know, when we hang up the phone, and I'm just like, all right, I can do this. You know. Uh, instead of just bottle it, bottle it, bottle it. And then eventually it's going to explode. And then it explodes. I feel like at the most inopportune times, you know, it's maybe it's at a spouse or a girlfriend or, you know, we have two, two small children 
or the dogs, you know, those emotions, they come out. So I feel like it's, it's definitely trying to figure out how to process those emotions externally and be able to talk about them a little bit. And again, not like, and, you know, some people want to go and, and speak with a psychiatrist and, you know, lay on the couch and how you see in the movies, but more so just like a buddy that you can talk to, like, man, I'm having a tough, tough time with this. Um, I, I think that's very, very important. I agree completely. And, um, you know, I think you, I think you said it, you said it well, where, when you contrasted that with like, you know, the psychiatrist and, and, or psychiatry and, and all of that, which I'm in full support of, I think, I think though that, um, there are levels and layers to, um, processing our thoughts and emotions and, we sort of need to be hitting it on as many levels as we can reasonably because, and I'm, I'm very thankful that you have seen this and that you have chosen to choose the path of vulnerability because vulnerable when, when a man chooses to be vulnerable and chooses to be vulnerable for the right reasons, it is an act of strength. It is always an act of strength. I agree. The thing is that, is an honesty thing. It's be honest about fear. You're weak. <laughs> Why yeah. it is so hard for our brains to wrap 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 itself. You know, our brains to wrap itself around around this concept. But I believe personally, and I believe in self therapy, which is which means that you've got to, um, or all of us, we have to do the inner work. That's one step of it. And it's important because you're the only one who's with you all the time. You're the only one who can, who can um, look inside of your mind, monitor your thoughts. And there always has to be a level of self-discipline there. If, if we're going to, to meet our goals, if we're going to be um, putting out into the world, what we want to put out, then beyond that, it's the people who we surround each other, surround ourselves with. It's, it's that, it's those choices to, to make the, make that phone call. To honestly, it's part of the reason why I decided to start this podcast is I want this podcast to be a place for that, um, for the strength of vulnerability to come out for a space where we can get into the, the deep matters because there is, it's, it's always, as I mentioned, those formative things that are the, the most difficult to bring up in casual conversation but those are the things that you start talking about you unearth these things and that's what opens opens the door to the heart is that the heart is so often closed off because we don't process these things and when we don't when we don't take those actions to be vulnerable and connect with others on that level it exactly as you said it comes out in our behavior it's it's 100 percent true and i think uh kind of going back what you said about the podcast being an opportunity to be vulnerable i think it's great um i think it's an outstanding opportunity to kind of vent and talk and talk through things that that somebody's going through and and maybe help somebody you know who might be teetering with man i do bottle things up and maybe i should talk to someone about this it's a it's an outstanding platform it's a great opportunity i think for again, as a man to be able to say like, you know, we all want to put on a facade of like, I'm macho and I can do this and I can move a mountain if I wanted to. But in reality, like we go through tough times, <laughs> you know, like it, it is tough. So being able to to have that platform, being able to uh, vent and being, a- being able to kind of talk through those things is, is definitely extremely valuable. Well, and we've, you know, we've seen a, We've seen generations past um, who have done, first of all, I want to preface it by saying that generations past have done incredible things, things that I could never imagine. I don't know if you feel this way, looking back at what our parents did, our grandparents did, what, just what has occurred in human history and just, just how, how, uh, how unique, you know, it's, these generations have been. And, you know, there's a certain level of strength and, obviously that bravado and, and a lot of different things that, that previous generations um, had that we, um, our generation to some degree doesn't have as much of, but 
on the flip side, I can see what our generation is moving into. And I say this as a positive projection because we hear so much negative about, you know, the millennial generation and all these different generations, you know, that are upcoming. And, and a lot of it is relevant. A lot of the critiques are relevant. But one thing that this, that this, that we are moving into, and not just our generation, but the older generations who are still alive and still growing and learning, we're all moving into this period of time where we are looking at the root causes of our behaviors. We're no longer just trying to make an imprint on the world, which is again, fantastic. And there's a huge need for, you know, people to get things done in the physical world, get things done in the business world, all of that. But I think what we're dealing with is human behavior being amplified these days with the internet, with technology. And we have become so much more powerful than we ever thought we would. And with great power, to, yep. to quote, to quote Spider-Man of all, of all movies, you know, uh, <laughs> with great power. And I always wonder if that was a quote from something else, but I've never heard it taken back farther than Spider-Man. So that's good with me, is with great power comes great responsibility, Uncle Ben, you know. Um, and that is, it is an aspect of dealing with power. And, um, and so an aspect of that is that you know that your behaviors will be affected by your emotions and your thoughts and your history and how you've processed all of these things. So in order to make, in order for your power to be, and your energy to be aligned with your motives your interests and your um, your spirit. You want to do this inner work and be vulnerable so that you can align all that together so that you're not taking actions you regret. Very true. I mean, 100%. And I think, um, I think really we are just growing into that. And I think, I think we're dealing with the growing pains. Um, of that, I know for myself, and I'm going to share a little bit of um, of where I'm coming yeah. from on that. Is that even when talking about like your uh, like your father's struggles, you know? And I'm sure, I'm sure with do, dealing with that um, forgiveness and all of that, I know that that just got to be very, very difficult. I know, I know for me, looking at some of the things your father struggled with, I can see how a person mm-hmm. can get there completely based on my own experience and it's very sad yeah um do you have any and i'll share a little bit more about my story but i want to i want to hear a little bit more from you here first is what i'd like what i'm curious about is are there have there been times where you've had experiences that have made you go oh man i as much as i as i still you know can't you know as much as you still struggle with what your father did, do you ever have moments where you're like, I see how he went down that path and how he got there? Like, do you see a hint of it of like, here's an experience I'm having that makes me see, Oh, this is how you get from. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, I feel like we all have really rough days at work and sometimes those rough days turn into rough weeks and then a month goes by and you're like, I'm not happy, you know, and I feel like it can become very easy to find a, um, an outlet or find a coping mechanism of some sort to, uh, to deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, whether it's alcohol or drugs or something like I, I can totally, totally see it, uh, being able to go or, you know, go down that road. Um, that's definitely, I, I can definitely see that. Um, at the same time, I mean, there's been times where you're just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And the thing with suicide in particular is just like your problems seem to go away instantly. Right. Uh, But in reality, it hurts everyone around you. So I I haven't gotten to that point where I've been like, man, this would be better if I wasn't here because I think I've lived the other side of that. I've lived the side of like, I saw that like my mom struggle and all of my dad's friends and my family, you know, I I've seen that side of things. Um, so I, I personally haven't gotten to that point, but I can see where, you know, you can begin to cope. You can begin to use different, again, outlets to, 
numb yourself to where you might get to that point of saying, Hey, this isn't worth doing anymore. Like I, I could definitely, definitely see that. Yeah. And I think that's very, um, it's very self-aware of you. And I think that as you, as you mentioned, you know, just that, that desire and that need to numb ourselves from pain, it's a double edged sure. sword, It's a double edged sword. And, um, you know, I have a pretty libertine approach to life. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, people should or shouldn't do certain things. I made a choice at a certain point not to, to continue, not to continue being completely sober, not, not drinking any alcohol. And that was a personal choice I made. And I, I, I have, I get to have really cool conversations with people about it here and there and just explain why. And it's incredibly personal. And I don't hold that, hold other people in my life to that. It was, it was a decision I made at a certain point because I grew up in a home where, you know, um, drinking was not a thing. Like I was told from, from pretty much from birth, you know, don't drink, you know, I have my parents, my grandparents, you know, there just wasn't drinking around me. And growing up homeschooled, I, I really did not have those influences pushing me in that direction. So by the time I got old enough to really make the decision, I, I, I looked at it logically and I'm like, it's just not something I'm going to choose to do. Because for me, knowing myself, and I know plenty of people who are tremendously good at casual drinking and they can, they can drink and then let it be. And I, I, I just have nothing but, you know, respect for people like that who are just good at that. Yeah. They know themselves. It works. For me, I think that it would be something that has the potential of getting yeah. a hold of me. And so is, knowing that at the outset, that's extremely like honest of you to recognize and say i don't even want to put myself in that situation so that's like kudos to you for seeing that and being able to say like hey i don't want i know myself well enough that i don't want to put myself in that situation like that's huge man that's that's huge well thank you i mean it's i can't that did not come from me that came from my dad and and i but i came to the same exact conclusion and i really respect that he he did that you know that he took he took that stand for himself and was like hey he, he's always said you know to me is like he feels like if he would have made these different choices you know growing up and he was a part of the school system you know and he he had these opportunities to you know and my dad's not a perfect person but he he made some he's made some incredibly good choices in his life and one of those choices was you know, not to get involved in drinking. And I think it's correct that for, for me and him, I think we share the same basic sense that, you know, we go into things all the way. That's what he said, you know, and he's more that way, just all in for me. I think it's, you know, I have very, I have very depressive tendencies. So if I get down in the dumps, you know, I don't want to have a substance that is a go-to for when I'm feeling bad because that's, that doesn't end well. You know, you usually if you're using it as a go-to to numb yourself from, from the way you feel. Um, no, it, the, so yeah, so really, with that, it's it's that interplay of um of the alcohol and the depressive mm-hmm. tendencies, and that's another area where. Uh, so when looking at your story and at, at you know your dad's story, um, I can it's on some level I I can. I can relate more than I'd like to admit to, you know, where your dad ended up. Um, and the reason why is because, um, for one, I definitely think that I, if there's a gene for alcoholism, I'd, I'd probably imagine I would have that late. So I just decided to, <laughs> to steer clear, you know, in advance. I had all the, you know, all the um, people around me who facilitated that, you know, staying on, on the straight and narrow, so to speak. And, I also, um, having the depressive tendencies, I, I won't lie. I understand the suicidal impulse and it's been something that I've wrestled with for quite a while in terms of just, I've described it, I've described it as a feeling. So some people talk, a lot of people talk about suicidal thoughts. For me, it's like a feeling. It's like the sense. It's like that. It's like that, that thing. And I've, I've, been open with the people around me the people around me know about this so it's not something that you know i'm, I'm keeping 
keeping quiet, you know, and everything, you know, I decided I'm going to be open about this because it's a very, very real thing. And, um, it's, it's a strange thing because I, I don't think it's something that everybody can relate to. Not everybody feels that, but, um, but I absolutely relate to that. It's like a feeling overwhelmed by everything. And like, you have no more energy left. Like, what's the point? You know, it's all so much work. And there's also, I think some self judgment in there too. So, um, so I can't help but wonder what was going on in your dad's psyche and what, you know, what circumstances led up to that. And I'm sure that plays a huge role in that, as you mentioned, that real forgiveness, which is where you start to see, hey, there were causes mm-hmm. to this. There were things that led to this. But man, I mean, the process of getting there must have been yeah. excruciating. And, you know, one thing I mean, for anyone who does listen to this or catch this and anyone who does have, you know, a thought of know ending it all tough times get better and i think we can attest to that there's there's moments in your life where you're like i can't go anymore i can't do this anymore but what happens you 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 make it happen right you do it you talk you talk to somebody Mm. you know one day it's stormy and raining and the next day it's sunny like as cheesy as it sounds like tough tough times don't last tough people do And I think it's not, again, being that manly man of like, I'm going to just do this and I'm going to rah, rah, rah. It's being able to say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having this thought. And it's it's gone beyond a thought to where I'm like, how would I or or what what does that look like or how would I do it to not be as much of a burden on family or when you start getting to that point, that might be the time to reach out to somebody and just say, can we grab some coffee? Can I can we talk? Yeah. Like you know, find me on social media, send me a message. Like I don't, I am here. Like I, we had somebody just recently, um, from my previous job, um, the, the happiest, like most awesome community oriented man that you'll ever, ever meet. I was getting fitted actually for David's wedding, my brother's wedding. I was getting fitted for my suit for that. And I got a phone call from my previous, the previous CEO from the, for the previous company I was working for. And I'm like, why is she calling me? So I pick up the phone and she's like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) and she's like, did you hear what happened? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, you know, so-and-so killed himself. And like immediately, like my heart dropped because I know what that's going to be like for his family. Like I know what that's going to be like for his friends and everyone that he's been in contact with. And I'm just like, man, we were just texting. We were just texting like like literally three days before. Like he was just shaving his head for St. Baldrick's to raise money for uh, child cancer. Like he was so proud of giving back to his community and something just clicked where he said, I don't want to do this anymore. And he ended his life. And mm. I'm just, I, I wish that there was, you know, a warning light or, uh, you know, as a Facebook stat or something that you could do that would warn people to let them know, like, hey, I'm having this problem. But I think it's, like you said, it's now, it's being able to talk about it. And that's why I'm just trying to like tell people like, please like reach out to somebody. Like there's no weakness in, and reach out and saying like, I need something. Like, I don't know what I need. I need something, you know, and, Absolutely. and, and trying to figure out what that something is. I think there, there is some power in that. There's some victory in that to be able to say like, I'm having a problem. I don't know how to fix it. Like, can you help me? And, and being able to come out the other side of that and then being able to turn that around and saying, I overcame that and now so can you, you know, there, there, there's victory in that. And, you know, I just, for anyone who is going through that or has, you know, is continually having those thoughts, like, please don't feel like you're alone, you know, reach out to somebody, Uh, you know, let somebody know how you're feeling. So that way you can talk through it and you can make things better, you know, because again, it, it, it feels like it's the easy way out for you. But the hundred people, your sphere of influence, the people you work with, the people that you have dinner with, your family, your, you know, all of those people, it affects them deeply, you know, and forever. It's, it's not one of those things that's just like, oh, man, that's crazy. You know, it, it's it affects them. You know, I sit here today thinking like, man, 
I wish I would have just reached out to him. Like, had I had known, I would have dropped everything and been there in a heartbeat to, you know, hey, let's go hit some golf balls. Like, you know, yeah. let's go do something. So it's it's a tough it's a tough thing, and you know, I I don't. The other thing is is I don't think it's it's not a weakness by any means. I I, I consider it a strength to be able to ask for help and to say like I. I need something. I, I, to me personally, that I look at it as, man, like kudos to you for for doing that instead of just throwing in the towel and saying I'm done. You know. Well, and you know, I I definitely believe like if, if you could highlight the strongest thing that I believe keeps people going day after day, um, I think it has to be those ties, like having those strong ties and um and knowing that. If, if, if people are able to connect it in their brain enough uh, and, and really connect that your family and your friends like will be affected, will be affected permanently yeah. by a decision like that. And really any life decisions, this goes not just for, you know, not just for that one act of suicide, but yeah. there's so many actions that we can take, but, that act in particular, because of the final act, it, it is it is something that cannot be reversed. Um, that reminder is huge, and I know that um, in my darkest moments, you know, that's been number one. You know, and I knew that, and that's where I said too. You know, when it comes to those thoughts versus feelings, you know, it kept it in the feelings er- territory. To be honest, because it was like you know, to get to that thought area, it had to go through that, yeah. <laughs> and I ha- I I. I been thankful enough to have a bulwark you know to have a barrier there where you know my brain would not let me it's like you know uh, yeah sure you can feel this way you can you know even have fantasies or whatever that come and happen you know and when you experience that i'm going to remind you (laughs) (laughs) of these wonderful people around you of course and and but you know you highlighted something important you highlighted that that there's a part of it that is like that not wanting to be a burden and that is oh such a huge huge component i believe because part of this and you know if, I, i'm sure you've looked into into this and heard this before but you know so many times you know when these things happen it is that is something that goes through the mind of somebody who offs themselves you know i mean yeah. to put it crude to put it crudely i, I yeah. apologize but um it's so much of it is this judgment, the self judgment. And I I can definitely feel that, that judgment of like, when I was younger, um, you know, I got into the job force very late, relatively. I had a really hard time launching, you know, (laughs) my family can attest to that, you know, it's uh, millennials have struggled launching, you know, we know this, you know, it's it's been a very, very difficult um, world to navigate these days, and to find our places. And um, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of that, you know, straightforward you know put your feelings in the back seat and just get to work get stuff done a lot of that you know faded out with previous generations to some degree and um we are a more sensitive um we're becoming a more sensitive species and that's okay but um one consequence of that is that sometimes um people are slower to 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 move into responsibility because um it's a tough world out there very tough very tough and it requires a lot of energy to stay focused and to be able to um guard your heart and your mind you know in situations where uh, you're dealing with hostile people hostile environments um you know threats to your self-esteem uh all those things are very very real and have to be processed um and for the most part we don't know yet how to we're barely learning how to really process that stuff and how to deal with this sort of uptick i would say in human sensitivity um and really i remember just the feelings that i was having you know when i was younger especially and um and just the feelings of like i how do i do this and i don't want to you know i don't want to be a burden i don't want to be i don't want to feel like a freeloader and even now i carry around oftentimes this it usually manifests itself as like an anxiety of like, what if, you know, you always go to the worst case scenarios, job loss, you know, some sort of, um, I've had vehicles break down on me and, and, you know, leave me basically 
reliant on friends and then I worked back, you know, to, to pay them back off. I had an amazing support system, but it also forced me to, you know, work 60, 60 plus hour weeks, you know, basically to recoup the money, you know, during, during a period of time when I was, you know, striving to be really independent. And I think that that feeling that pressure to be independent in a society like ours um, and in any society, that independence thing, it's kind of relatively new in many respects because families used to stick together more, as you know, families used to support each other a little bit more. These days we want, we want our cake and, and you know, we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want complete freedom yeah. <laughs> to be ourselves and to live yeah. however we want. But we also would like a safety net, you know, and it's, it's very, very difficult. We're moving into transition of like, you know, the family used to be that center unit. Now we're, um, now we're moving more politically in that direction to be a hundred percent honest. We're moving towards, you know, um, can the government provide that safety net, you know, and it's, it's, there's a whole bunch of, um, psychological issues that are related to that in this whole transition period. And I'm not, I'm not casting a positive or negative light on it. I'm just saying in terms of the arc where things are going, we're moving in that direction. And I think, think a lot of the internalization of that and a lot of the blame like hey if you can't work it out you know if you can't become totally completely independent of your parents and your family like well you were a failed experiment you know yeah, <laughs> or sure. or even even beyond that you know if you can't there's a lot also a lot of that um in the relationship sphere you can't find you can't find a person you know if you yeah. if you don't have success with the opposite sex you know right out the gates you know or whatever you know, you're getting left behind and again, failed experiment that stamp. And I think overcoming those things is very challenging because two things, one, it often calls us to raise up, raise ourselves up (laughs) to up our game and harness that energy to become more competent human beings that happens. Then secondly, most importantly, I would argue is, is learning to accept ourselves wherever we're at. And to, yep. and to realize that all of that stuff matters a whole lot less than we think it does, that we shouldn't judge our worth based on it. Absolutely. I think, I think that's huge is, is being confident in who you are and being happy. And some people just grind it out and can work 60 hour work weeks every single week at a job that they can't stand <laughs> because they want to drive a Mercedes and live this Instagram life of, luxury and success when in reality they're miserable when they get home Mm. you know it's 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 that fake facade that people put on versus the like i'd rather work a job that i can like go to sleep at night knowing that like i made the impact in the world there's food on the table my kids are taken care of my wife is happy you know (laughs) i drive a o2 for a runner (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean love it love it i I feel good about that. You know what I mean? And not judging myself compared to somebody else or somebody's uh, thought of where somebody who's, you know, about to be 34 again, God, I'm getting so old. Uh, where were they? It's not old. That, it's not old. <laughs> they said 30 they is the new thirties are the new twenties. Okay. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing right now. Oh. Zach, every time, every time I creep up to the next, you know, ten, it's like that's the new previous ten. So, <laughs> and you know, you're like, ah, like, oh, BS, you know, come yeah. on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I I played softball uh, Sunday night, and here we are, you know, Wednesday night, and my body is telling me like, you're too old to do this, and I played slow pitch softball. Like, give me a break. Hey, I am sure. I am sure your body probably handles that better than mine. And I, <laughs> and I'm young. I'm a little bit younger. You know, I'm still in my twenties. And but my body is, for some reason, you know, when it comes to the to the physical stuff, it just it 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 doesn't feel like my body's great at it. It's just always <laughs> like, you know, you can try, Zach. You can try. You can go to the gym. I know you go to the gym, Zach. But <laughs> I'm always yeah. gonna be there, reminding you. <laughs> Yeah. That you should be writing or doing music or some sort of geeky nerdy yeah. activity that you're supposed to do. So get back yeah. in your place, get back in your box <laughs> and stop pretending like you're a jock. So yeah, I was sitting I was sitting on the floor with our two and a half year olds right before we jumped on. I was sitting on the floor with him and you know, just talking and we're playing and stuff and I go to get up and I'm like, Oh, 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 oh yeah, oh sitting on the floor, you know, I get up and I my knees hurt, my ankle hurts, my back hurts, and I'm like, Okay. And like I need W D forty every like it's just a bad it's a bad look. W D forty on the walls, just yeah. <laughs> you got your uh, chiropractor on speed dial yet? 
serious I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, I mean, we're on a first name basis. I, I, I knock it, but I mean, you know, I, I'm not at a place where, um, I guess I'm still at that point in life where I don't think enough about those, those maintenance things, you know, but here soon, you know, I mean, honestly, a chiropractor would be nice. I need to, I need to find one and get started on, on stuff like that. But, uh, uh, a little bit of stretching does for me right now, but, um, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Sooner than you think, my friends. Yeah. Now, did you, uh, you went to, uh, you went to Merced high, uh, graduate of 2003, um, did you play? Uh, did you play any any sports there? I remember you played basketball uh, when I was younger, and that was a bonding thing that we did. Did you uh, end up playing for uh, Merced High? Yeah, so I played basketball pretty much my whole life. Mm. Um, basketball has been something that's been you know I've been passionate about um, for for quite some time. And when I moved up uh, to Roseville, uh, where I live now, I you know uh, was participating in a church program that was there and I helped run a basketball program for quite a few years and was actively involved with coaching and refereeing and again kind of running the the entire basketball program so well god bless you for that because as I mentioned like the 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 impact that that those programs had on me you know was was really positive I mean um, just to have that outlet you know and I was horrible you know I I was homeschooled so you know and I I it's always the joke among me and my friends is like, it's like I pull the homeschooled excuse on anything and everything. And uh, it's, simultaneous, it's simultaneously a crutch and something, but it's also like a legit reason for like almost everything that I know. I'm like, there's a legit reason for that. So yes, I'm pulling out the card again and yes, it matters. Yeah. And so one area where it mattered for me was PE, you know? Uh, I, had, I had two sisters, you know, you know, my sisters and uh, they're wonderful, wonderful people. But man, you know, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't swing a baseball bat, you know, if their life depended on it. And, you know, so I tried to I tried to get them, you know, to play sports with me and stuff like that and, and different things. And but in the end, you know, there just wasn't you know, it wasn't emphasized very much. You know, we didn't have formal PA, PA classes. I didn't get in shape with the basic, you know, like sprinting and, and, you know, card, basic cardio, even, you know, that's, you don't even think about it when you're a kid and you just assume that you can get in motion and that it just happens. And that, you know, you put work into this, you do resistance training and all that. It was too late. (laughs) It was too late. And these kids were huge. Um, (laughs) <laughs> probably probably eating more calories than I was you know there was so 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 many things and yeah. um but but all that said all that said the experience of uh being on basketball teams was really fun for me and I was as you know I was super passionate about it I wanted to be in the NBA do you remember that I do <laughs> I, I verbalized <laughs> that apparently yeah I know I remember I remember shooting you know shooting around and like working on some stuff and going through it and I it's just like, yeah, man, let's keep going. You know, keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. And you so, did, you, know, you, you did drive out to my house to I show did. to work with me on fundamentals, which, I mean, just just looking back, just means the world to me. And and uh, to be fair, it was com- a completely hundred percent lost cause on in terms of basketball. <laughs> I hope you know that. I hope you know that you <laughs> totally wasted your time in, in terms of basketball. Do you are you aware yeah, of that? I know now. I know now, Zach. I thought there might still be a chance. But now yeah, you're I'm like this way. kid could be the next <laughs> Scotty Pippen, maybe. You know, That's maybe. Right. He could be. Yeah, he could be. Uh, you know, Chris Bosh. You know, he could be. But yeah. you know, didn't fall that way. But investment. You know, uh, you and uh, you and Mikey Stevens. I don't know if you're still in contact with Mikey. But uh, you guys really, uh, really poured a lot into me uh, in that regard, and um, super cool. So it's cool to it's cool to see that you're still doing that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Have you seen some? Uh, have you seen some uh, talented, talented um, athletes come through there? Yeah, you know, there's there's a few kids who <laughs> you know who are good, and you're just like. But, you know, I feel like when you're a kid, you're just like one minute you want to play the guitar and then the next minute you're into basketball and then soccer and then it's girls and then it's back. to You know, it's yeah, it's tough. 
Um, but you know, there's, there's definitely like, and I feel like kids now, I mean, I say this like I'm a hundred years old, but like kids now I'm like, you're how like, I'm like, you're how old and you're how big? Like, give me a break. Uh, it's it is a, a very real noticeable, it is a noticeable shift. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that as like, you know, obviously I'm, I, you know, I'm still young. So I haven't, it's not like I was an adult observing kids when I was younger. <laughs> I was a kid observing kids and stuff. But this has been corroborated with with many people I know um, of previous generations, too, that kids are bigger. Yeah. Kids are stronger. Kids are faster. You know, it's the whole thing, you know. I'm just like, and what? There's so many that? different reasons for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. I don't know if you've seen uh, Zion Williamson. He was the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, he's a tank. He's like six, oh, man. six eight, six nine, like 280 pounds i believe 285 pounds he can jump out of the gym he's just like he looks like a football player and he's like 19 years old i'm like are you kidding me like you see him run and you're like oh or like even when he uh when he was on draft day i'm watching him on tv and i'm like who's that chunky guy and they're showing (laughs) that's zion williamson oh my gosh like, this guy is just an absolute monster. And I'm thinking, dude, there's no way. Like, I would break everything possible just even attempting to do what you're doing. Like, it's it's just insane. I don't know what what kids are being fed these days, uh, but I, yeah. I, I need to get my hands on it, apparently, and I need to partake. <laughs> so. Hormone, hormones and food has been suggested. I'm not good enough with science to confirm or yeah. deny, <laughs> you know? I mean, I could, I could joke around, well, yeah, it's the hormones and the Tyson meat and stuff that they took out now. You know, I could, I could say it's all the McDonald's, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, that you hear around. But I, I honestly don't know. One thing that I do know is that expectations in everything, performance-wise, have gone through the roof. Yeah, no, sure. no longer is it okay. I don't know if you feel this way. But like, look, I'm sure as a parent, just looking at the expectations of what success looks like these days, it's just not feasible. Yeah. Like, how do you like, like, there's this, there's this idea. And I, I get it. I get where it comes from. And I think it's also innate. I know I have it too. You know, it's like, you gotta be the best at something, you know. Uh, and some people have suggested anthropologically, you know, that living in small tribes at one point, you know, we we had this uh, thing where everybody specialized. So you could be the best in your group of hundred people, you know, and that's not unreasonable. You could be the best at something, yeah, you know, and contribute in that way. And um, that was a feasible, you know, thing that you could do without having to be soup, you know, some one in a million, you know, uh, happy genetic accident, you know? (laughs) And I think, I think that these days, with the advent of the internet and the sheer population growth um, that for instance, with music, um, you know, it's no longer good enough to just be able to strum out some songs and do, and do some basic riffing, you know, and, and, or be able to, you know, just play an instrument, you know, to the level that say, you know, you probably could have felt good about in the past before you had access to all of YouTube, YouTube's library of, all these amazing, you know, nine-year-old kids, you know, (laughs) that are just whooping everybody's ass on these instruments because they started from, from three years old. And they also probably happen to be genetically predisposed towards um, being gifted in some sort of area like that. You know, it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, no. And I didn't get any musical gifting. So that's, uh, that's pretty much, (laughs) that's pretty much it for me as my, as my two and a half year old runs into the room right now, uh who, you know, now he wants to say hi, hi also <laughs> hi how are you hi is this uh is this grayson this is grayson can you say hi all right hi <laughs> i i did um i did a little bit of facebook facebook uh research slash stalking to uh to prepare for this <laughs> um like a, like a real legitimate interviewer should that's good um <laughs> so I've so I've got a few names, you know. Yeah, so uh, have, uh, so if I start if I start like if I randomly start to say like your bank account number or something, just stop me, you know. Tell I'm... me, oh no, that's enough information, Zach. You dug too deep. That's you know. Yeah, we um, we yeah. uh we have uh two little ones, and trying to wrangle both of them is definitely a little difficult. And we're coming in on bath time, so routine is important. 
So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I, I'm so happy for you and uh, for you and Paulina. And um, I know you had you had your uh, most love in yes. May, correct? Olive, yeah, Olive. Yeah. Congratulations! Olive, uh, was born. She was six weeks on Tuesday. So yeah, she's she's out there right now, crying and ready for to be picked up. So it's it's great, man. Just getting old and having kids, and you know, doing all that is outstanding. Yeah. All those all those subtle ways, subtle ways to indicate that the podcast is coming to close, <laughs> correct? <laughs> As the baby's crying and the my two and a half year old's like, Daddy, I want to go outside. I want to go outside. I'm like, All right, buddy, all right. All right, but you know we gotta we've got a podcast to finish and man, you know, I mean Zach is a taskmaster, well, okay. you know. I mean he, he wants to get he wants to get in that hour, you <laughs> it's know. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> so six weeks in, so you guys are still in that stage of it's keeping you it's busy. Absolutely busy. It's been uh it's been wild. Well, I thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, to talk with me. And, um, you know, I really feel good about this episode. I think that um, people are going to relate to it. And that's, if you ask me my number one goal, it's that people can relate to other Absolutely, people. Absolutely, man. Because for me, when I listen to a podcast, when I watch a, watch a TV interview, anything, like the number one thing that gets, I don't know if you're the same way, but the number one thing that gets me excited is when I can relate to something that I see out there. I'm like... Oh man, that person's experience has something that mirrors mine in some aspect, and I get it. It's not just me. Yeah, no, that's ex- that's exactly exactly you know what I want to do and and help with. Also, is try to tell people my story, and if it can help anybody, you know, that's what I want to do. Sounds sounds good, man. So uh, on that note, I think we are going to conclude uh, this interview and um cj you have a wonderful Thanks, night man. I, you and paulina and the kids i appreciate and, it um, i appreciate it man thank you so much <laughs> take care man